Thank you. Uh, I think we did miss one announcement. There was a beating that happened Friday night. I mean, it was just ugly display of power by the staff. It was, I mean, a blowout would be uh, putting it mildly, I think. So, uh, yeah. It, but I just want to belabor the point that, you know, y'all you, you had a couple old people on the field and we still beat you, even though those old guys didn't do a whole lot. But uh, Harry was uh, awesome at QB, so I want to give Harry, let's give Harry a round of applause. That's all right. That's what losers do. Um, also, I, I want to highlight another great uh, encouragement. Uh, Andrew was amazing on the student team playing quarterback with one foot. Come on, let's give him a up. All right, well, uh, before we get into the introduction for tonight, uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Paul Krabenhoft. Uh, I know that last name sounds intimidating and it looks even more intimidating written down, so uh, don't bother even trying. You can just call me Paul, um, that's fine. Uh, my lovely wife is in the back, Jen. Uh, she's sitting down enjoying her drink, I assume. So she's cold. Uh, and then my son, Cade, is right here. If you don't know who he is, he's that guy right there. Yep. Yep. And then I have a daughter named Kara. She's over in the other building. Uh, she's seven. Uh, we, we love here at Newcastle. We've been here five years, coming up here pretty soon. Uh, we like to serve in the music ministry, but also here in Rooted. We love uh, spending time with y'all and helping you uh, grow in your faith and also challenge you to look at uh, your Bible in a, a, a different light. Uh, it, is a, it is a tool for us, uh, and it is also God's uh, inerrant word. And so today we're going to go over some of that scripture in uh, Luke 7. But before I get to Luke 7, for those of you who don't have the handouts and you have your Bibles, I'm going to give you a chance to get to Luke 7. Uh, we're in Luke, and we're into the, the part that Jesus is doing his ministry work. Uh, we just had a story last week. Uh, thank you, Kyle. Did a great job. Uh, in, in that story, we have uh, a great example of the centurion uh, taking Jesus' word as, uh, as the law, as the things that shall be done. And so I know in our small group, we talked about how that harkens back to Genesis 1 and also other uh, points in the Bible where God speaks, uh, specifically uh, with Moses on the mountain and some other times where God is uh, speaking and then Jesus is speaking uh, to us and giving us command, but also encouragement. So today I want to highlight that as well, is that there is an encouraging word for today uh, in this scripture. So go ahead and, as we like to do here, like to stand in honor of God's written word. So as I read it out, let's go ahead and rise to our feet. All right, we're at Luke 7, 11 through 17. Soon afterward, he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion 
on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bier, and the bear stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they all glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. All right, you may be seated. I'm going to go ahead and pray uh, for God to illuminate this text to our minds. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to come before you, uh, to come together in fellowship and in friendship and in bonding. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to do so freely and publicly without any fear of, of persecution or any uh, harm that could befall us. Lord, we know that all things happen to your will and your providence. We come before you asking that you would provide the means tonight for which that our hearts would be softened and our minds be renewed by your word and that we would be aligned to your will in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I have a couple questions. One, what are some of these words? <laughs> so I think at the bottom, the study helps are, are great. And I'm, I'm really thankful to our staff and our team that they're able to put together some of these uh, easy helps for us so that we don't have to do a whole bunch of research. So thank you very much. Uh, so first of all, I, I did a little bit of additional research on the town. The town actually still exists today. Uh, and it's still a very small town. Maybe a few hundred people live there. Uh, it, it's, a, it's about exactly where it stood then. So 2,000 years later, the same town and a still a very small population. The other great thing to point out down there is a considerable crowd. Um, and it, it highlights why there would be a considerable crowd with the, the mother, uh, also a widow, why that would be the case. But something I want to go back to in the first verse is really important along those same lines. Uh, can someone tell me what else they see in verse 11 uh, after it says where they were and it says, and Jesus' disciples and something? What's that something, Andrew? A great crowd. Okay. So if I had a great crowd over here and a considerable crowd over here, that's a pretty big crowd and when you add them together, right? Okay, so keep that in mind. So the other thing is, let's, let's look at, you know, Jesus just came away from another place. He's coming to here. There's a great crowd with him. He gets to the gate of the town. Now, this town is small, so it's not a big, giant, like, fortress gate. At best, it's probably like a couple stones and think of it like a sign at, at, when you go to one of the towns here, Tremont or Mackinac, where there's like a post and a couple rocks or a big sign. And then maybe there was a couple other small um, buildings there. It would not be this opulent, big, you know, medieval looking or even ancient gate that you all think in your head. Um, so keep that in mind. So it's 
a lot of people in a space that generally a lot of, not a lot of people would be at. All right, and then this last word. Can someone uh, can someone explain to me what what is this this beer? It's on the bottom of the page. Read. Like a like a coffin, but the way we understand a coffin today, would someone want to give me some help here? Who who explain a coffin today? Like what does it look like? Anybody? Yes, sometimes there's a coffin without a dead person in it, but yes, that's a good one. What, what was that? I heard something else, the L word. With a, lid. With a lid. Okay, that's good. Anything else? That is true. Coffins can, some of them can be reused. Also, some of them are made from stone. They're not always made from wood. But they generally, today, we view a coffin as something... It's really large, takes a lot of people to carry it, or even a machine, it has a lid. This is not the case. Think more of like a stretcher with like half walls. It was not a big coffin like that you would think. So when he sits up, that makes sense, right? So I just want to set that stage for you to understand that when the, the dead man sits up, that it's not, he's pushing this huge lid off, you know, okay? So keep that in mind. All right. So we draw to the gate, we get to that there's a dead man, and it says the only son of his mother, who's also a widow. Think about being back in that time. What is the importance of having an only son? What does that mean to your family? Correct. So, um, so if my son were to die, the family name, Kravenhoff, is at risk, even though I have nephews, right? But this woman, we're, we don't have that. It's just the only son. What else, though? The, the fact that she's a widow means something, too. Um, so she probably doesn't have anyone to do work, because the men that generally didn't work that back then. And she, the husband's dead. Her provider, her protection... Her husband, her companion, is no longer with her. And now her only son, the one who is to take care for her and also to care for the progeny, the continuance of their line, is no longer with her. So that weight, imagine that weight on that woman. She no longer has a husband, no longer has a son, and there's a crowd with her, and she's in mourning. So she's, she's in desperate times, right? She needs hope. She needs some semblance of hey, I'm going to be able to survive the next day even, maybe even through the day she's in. Okay, think about that. Then we got these considerable crowd thing going on still, so just all that going on around you. And when the Lord saw her, the Lord, Jesus, he had what? What's that big word there? Compassion. So that word compassion, think about that today. Uh, when you have compassion for someone, do you want to help them, right? If you have compassion for someone, you feel some of that pain, right? So this is clearly showing us that in Jesus' humanity, he can feel the pain in which she is going through, right? He's showing compassion. He's being moved by her situation, and he knows her whole situation. Okay, 
Then what does he say to her? I'm going to look over here. What does he say to her? Do not weep. If you were crying and I walked up to you and I said, do not weep, would you think that was really compassionate? No, you wouldn't. you think, what's wrong with that guy? Right? But Jesus is not just some guy. He is the Messiah, the bringer of hope, the one that will redeem us of all of our brokenness. So when he says, do not weep, that is the power of God saying, do not weep. And so she can feel that as in it will wash over her. It's not just empty words from one man to a person. This is God saying, do not weep. Like when we read in the Psalms, when God says, do not fear, right? That feels encouraging. So to her in that moment, that was him encouraging her. Because he's about to do something that's going to change her situation. It's going to take that broken feeling that she has take her situation that she's in and totally change it beyond her expectation. Okay? So what, what does he do next? What does he touch? Go ahead. He touches the unclean, right? To touch dead things in that culture is a big no-no. Has anybody's mother ever freaked out when you touch something dirty? Imagine that everybody around you freaking out that much. Okay? That's the weight of what's happening here, is to touch something unclean in this society is dramatic. It is frowned upon. You'd be ostracized. So he's about to do something that, according to their societal practice in, in the Old Testament, would be considered the wrong thing to do. But his compassion is above that. And so he's going, he's going to touch the, the unclean. He's going to reach in with his words. He's already encouraged the widow. He's going to reach in to this man who's dead. He is not sleeping. He is dead. And say, young man, I say to you, arise. Then what happens? Immediately, right? No pause, not a week later, not like someone's faith depended on it. It was Jesus said, do it, and it happened. And it reminds us back to what we talked about last week. God commands the existence of the universe to happen. It happens. God says, it shall be so, it shall be done. So in this moment, Jesus, the God-man, says... What does he say? Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. Didn't mumble, didn't grunt, didn't spit. He began to speak as if he's just perfectly fine. And then he gave him to his mother. I, I can imagine him being guided off of this platform of death into the hands of a mother who is elated beyond belief. So, uh, so Jesus reaches in to this broken situation. He reaches in to death and brings this young man to life. And what that tells us is in the power that God has to create 
everything and something out of nothing has the ability, the power, and the desire to take a stone heart and make it flesh, to take a broken mind and make it whole, to conform us into the image of Christ himself, to give us eternal life, to take us as sinners and to turn us into saints. So with that power in mind, what happens? This, a miracle has been done, this raising of the dead, this work of wonder, this wow moment, then what happens? What is in the next verse? Go ahead and cheat and read it. Go ahead. Saying, a great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. We are coming into a season very shortly, and I don't think I'm prepared either. The Christmas season. Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? Amen. So, God has visited his people. Emmanuel. What a great chapter to walk into the Christmas season. So, I want to leave you with this to, to ponder. We are in a, we're in a sad situation, each one of us. We are all needing of Christ. We are all needing of salvation. And those of us who have been grafted into the family of God, we sing Emmanuel. We sing praises to our Almighty God. For those of us, those of you that have not been adopted into the family yet, you're not sure about who Jesus is. You're not sure about Christianity or or sure about the Bible or sure about faith. Please reach out to one of the the leaders here. We would love to talk to you about this. Uh, Please come to me. I would love to talk to you. When I was 17, I was far from God, a broken young man. Um, So Jesus's words have the ability to command all things. His work of wonder, this wow moment, is a miracle and is marvelous. And what happens next is that these people worshipped God and and will then see later in further chapters, worship Jesus as such. Um, Don't want to belabor this point too much, but if if you're not uh, sure about your faith and you're not sure about who Jesus is, and how to walk in that way, uh, please reach out to one of us as leaders. Uh, That is uh, something that we all would love to have a conversation with you. If you are in a situation today where it's sad um, and you need encouragement, please also reach out to one of us, and we would love to walk alongside with you in those uh, those times. I'm going to go ahead and pray and then release it to your groups. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to come before you, come together and read of your word and conforming our hearts to your will. Lord, thank you for each and every one of these uh, young people and the staff here and these volunteers that come to uh, serve you and to serve each other. Lord, we thank you for this amazing uh, facility that you've given us and blessed us with to be sheltered from the storm and outside of the, uh, the ice and the rain. 
and that we are able to do so publicly and freely in this country, whereas our brothers and sisters across the world do not have that same blessing, opportunity, and privilege. We thank you for that, and may we never forget those who have sacrificed very much so that we may have this. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.